Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Happy New Year to you. This is the first Sunday of the new year. You come in and look around, this place feels sparse, right? No Christmas decorations, Christmas is past and we're into a new year. And usually at uh, the beginning of a new year, I like to start the year off with a message on generosity, uh, being generous with our time, treasure, and talent. Uh, It's, uh, and because it's one of the things that we need to regularly be discipled about, it's one of those things where we need, uh, it's one of the biggest idols in our culture. And sometimes for those um, uh, cultural idols, well, they can be found buried deep within our hearts. So it's a good thing to talk about generosity from time to time, but as I was thinking about it and as I was praying about it, I felt like I was to speak on something that's only tangentially related to generosity, a scarcity mindset. I spoke about this in Asbury 2019, but in case you haven't noticed, the world has changed a little since then. You know, we survived COVID, things seem to be getting back to normal, right? We're, we're getting together with people and uh, we are a little bit more cautious going out if we have the sniffles, but things seem to be getting back to normal, except when you go to the grocery store, right? Yeah, and I went to the grocery store yesterday, spent a hundred bucks and I had one bag, right? One bag for a hundred dollars. Like, you know, what's up, what's up with that? You know, the internet's to believe, be believed, uh, since I preached that message, inflation has gone up in Canada by 15%, but it feels a whole lot more. Talking to a friend of mine, they had to renew their mortgage. They said, Brent, I've got to pay $400 a month to live in the same house I lived in last year, right? It, it just seems like there's a lot of uh, stuff. If you listen to the news, what do you hear? Well, the economy is suffering, the inflation is going up, the job market is falling. I read a survey that almost 60% of Canadians worry about finances, worry about money regularly. In this context, it's, it's really easy to fall into a scarcity mindset. Uh, and a scarcity mindset says, says, we don't have enough or we're not enough. Falling falling into this trap erodes your faith, it diminishes your joy, it weakens your worship, and if you fall too deeply into this scarcity mindset, well, it becomes a mental illness. Some of you have seen the show Hoarders. You'll get what I mean, right? But I'm not talking about this as a mental illness. What I'm talking about is the temptation that comes to all of us. We're tempted to complain about what we don't have and forget to give thanks for what we do have. We're tempted to be miserly with what we've been given instead of being open-handed with those around us. We're tempted to live in fear rather than faith. And when we buy into this temptation, it has a way of making life all about us. And a scarcity mindset has a way of defining who we are almost more than anything else. As well as a spirit of generosity has a way of defining us as well. 
Please understand that I'm not just talking about money, but it's also about time. It's about energy. It is about uh, uh, talent. A mindset of scarcity or generosity will become one of the most defining things about you. This morning, I want to think about how you want to be defined. And I want to invite you to walk towards contentment, towards peace, towards thanksgiving. I'm asking God to deliver us from a scarcity mindset. Father, as we look at this, these scriptures, as we look into your word, I'm asking, Lord, that you would change our hearts so we would be defined as people who are full of gratitude, of thanksgiving, of hope, of open-handedness, of open-heartedness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what I need you to know. What you focus on will go a long way to determining who you become. What you focus on will go a long way to determining who you become. That's true with most kinds of temptations. It is true uh, when it comes to reaching your goals. It's especially true when it comes to a scarcity mindset. Your focus defines who you are. Now, I, I think that many of us are tempted to focus on what we don't have. And that becomes the lens through which we see life. And that is the beginning of a scarcity mindset. But it's so easy to do. It's easy to focus on your lack of time, or a lack of energy, or a lack of money. It's easy to focus on what we do not have. Now please hear me. I'm not talking about ignoring reality. You have the amount of money you have. You have the amount of energy you have. You have the amount of time you have. I'm saying, don't spend your time focusing on what you don't have. I see this in relationships. Married people. We can get into the trap of focusing what our spouse isn't. What they aren't doing for us, or what they aren't showing, or what they aren't this or that. And if you get into a scarcity mindset in your marriage, you're headed for rough, rough seas. See, with single people, focusing on a lack of a significant other. And my whole life is problematic because I'm not married. Scarcity mindset can show up in our thoughts about ourselves. We say to ourselves, oh, I'm not smart enough or talented enough, or pretty enough, or popular enough, or I don't get recognized enough, or I'm not accepted enough, and we focus in on what we're not, of course the result is a poor self-image. Scarcity mindset can show up in our attitudes towards money. It's easy to focus on the lack of money, especially during times when there seems to be more month than money. Scarcity mindset can show up in a church. Oh, I've seen this. 
For a church to be all that it's called to be, it will inevitably have to take steps of faith, right? If a church focuses on what it doesn't have, lack of funds, lack of people, lack of, well, you name it, then that step of faith doesn't happen. And the worst thing is this, that our culture cultivates a scarcity mindset. What advertisements tell you? Advertisers tell you what you don't have. They tell you what you, they want you to think you need to become happy. I have an iPhone 11. It's so four years ago, right? I want an iPhone 15. Why? I don't know, it'd be cooler. You, you know, like, it, it, there's a function, I can still call on this, right? I can still take pictures, what? whatever. See, the advertisers tell me my life would be better with a new phone. That's a lie, right? My life would be better with a new car. My life would be better with a new outfit. And the lies keep on piling up. See, a scarcity mindset, it makes us discontent with what we have. It influences how we spend money, how we think about ourselves. It makes us unwise in terms of how we live. And not only that, a scarcity mindset um, will create problems with your faith and your walk with God. Here's what I found that a scarcity mindset has done to me. Found the scarcity mindset wars against Thanksgiving. See, it's really hard to focus on what you don't have and be thankful at the same time. And those of us who are not thankful miss out on all that God wants to do for us. Because there is power in praise. There is something to an attitude of Thanksgiving that changes our lives. An attitude of gratitude changes how we feel towards others, towards ourselves, and how we interact with the world. And a scarcity mindset wars against our faith because, well, when, when we focus on our needs, it has a way of making our needs bigger and our God smaller. So we tend not to take steps of faith. Scarcity mindset also wars against generosity. It's harder to give our time and our energy and our talent and our money when we are constantly staring at what we don't have. See, people with open, generous spirits of time, talent, money, resources are, are the ones who experience the most in life. But a person with a scarcity mindset gets locked in on themselves. Scarcity mindset seems to encourage depression and sadness. Because it's sad thinking about all the things you don't have. And the mind trap in thinking is this. If I had more, fill in the blank, more energy, more time, whatever. If I had more money, I would be more content. I would be more joyful. I would be more at peace. And it's a lie. But it's a lie that's easy to buy into. I've seen people with very little 
who live lives of joys and contentment. I've seen people who have a lot and are continually discontent because they want just a little bit more. And it's always dangerous to generalize, but my observation is that younger generations focus on the stuff they don't have, the money, the material goods. Older generations focus on the health they don't have or the energy they don't have. But whether it's a focus on the lack of time and finances or the lack of energy and health, it's a scarcity mindset. And you are not alone in your war against scarcity. Great men and women of God have fallen into this trap. Let me take you to 1 Kings chapter 18. Stories we pick it up there is the prophet Elijah was one of the most powerful prophets of the Old Testament. And there had been a three-year drought when we pick up the story in the nation of Israel. And having forsaken the true God, the people of Israel had succumbed to paganism and idolatry and Baal worship. They had a king, King Ahab. He was bad. His wife Jezebel was worse. And when we get to 1 Kings 18, Elijah had been blamed for the drought that had happened for the last three years and for the famine that followed. And he had been hunted by the king, but God had kept Elijah fed and safe in a supernatural way. As we come to our, our story, Elijah has called a great meeting, and he confronted 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of, uh, or 450 prophets of Asherah and on Mount Carmel. And Elijah stood before the entire nation to witness a decision between God and Baal. And with the stage set, Elijah proposed a test. The deity who would send fire from heaven and consume the sacrifice in the altar, that is the true God. The assembly consisted of 850 prophets and people from across Israel, and they awaited the outcome. Well, the prophets of Baal started to pray. And then they prayed fervently. They prayed throughout the day. They danced. They cut themselves. They shouted. They yelled. But their efforts yielded no divine response. When evening came, Elijah said, enough. My turn. He constructed an altar of 12 stones, arranged wood, prepared a sacrificial bowl to emphasize what God could do. He drenched the, the altar with water and drenched the wood and the sacrifice, not once, but three times. And then Elijah called upon the name of the Lord. And this is what's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36, or 37. O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, our God, and that you have bought them, brought them back to yourself. So immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust. It even licked up the, all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face to the ground and cried, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And Israel turned back to the Lord that day there was a national revival. Later that evening, Elijah prayed. The heavens opened. It just poured rain. The drought was over. 
And what a day. What an awesome day that was. And you think that you would think that Elijah's heart would have been full. National revival, answered prayer, abundant water. But the story goes on. See, now Jezebel, who wasn't there that day, heard what had happened, and she sent a message to Elijah. I'm going to kill you. Verse nine, or chapter 19, verse 3. So Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, Lord. For I know better than my ancestors who have already died. He wanted to die. He fell asleep. He moved on to a cave, and this is what the Bible records. There he came to a cave when, where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Lord, there's a scarcity of faith in the land. Lord, there's a scarcity of prophets in the land. Lord, there's a scarcity of altars in the land. The focus wasn't on what God had done. The focus wasn't on the national revival that was happening. The focus wasn't on the miracles that God had just performed. Focus wasn't on the fact that Israel was being restored. Focus wasn't on the fact that God had sustained him through the drought. Focus was all about what he didn't have. Lord, with that perspective, I want to die. So what did God do with Elijah's scarcity, scarcity mindset? Verse 11. So go out and stand before me on the mountain the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Basically, God reminded Elijah of his power. And when he spoke to him, he spoke in the still small voice. And the passage goes on say that God reminded Elijah that there are 7,000 people, Israelites, who had not bent their knee to Baal. There are people who continue to be faithful. And then God commissioned Elijah again to go serve him. See, what you focus on matters. And if you fall into a scarcity mindset, God's going to try to draw you back with his still small voice, and he will remind you of his greatness. When you're in a scarcity mindset, the way back 
to focus on the greatness of God. See, there is no scarcity in God. The all-powerful God does not lack for anything. And the way back is to focus on the voice of God, for God speaks truth. He puts our life back into perspective. When we read his word, it has a way of speaking truth to our lives. When we listen to the still small voice in our spirit, his Holy Spirit has a way of bringing perspective that wars against scarcity. When you find yourself moving towards a scarcity mindset, it's time to change your focus. Focus on the greatness of God, on the truth of God, because that is the beginning of moving out of the land of scarcity. Let me tell you another story. It's the Apostle Paul. He was in a Roman prison, and unlike the Canadian system, if you were in prison, you had to provide for your own food, your own clothing. So the church at Philippi had been supporting Paul, and in fact, one of the things that occasioned the writing of this letter is the church had just sent a, a gift to help Paul out while he was in prison. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether we're well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things that gives, through him who gives me strength. Paul sitting in a prison without freedom. And yet, he isn't focusing on what he doesn't have. It is not that he hasn't felt that he has needs. He's felt his needs. It's not like he hasn't been in want. In fact, it says, I know what it's like to be in want. A scarcity mindset has very little to do with what you have or don't have. I know people who make six figures who live in a scarcity mindset. I know others who are relatively poor who don't. Scarcity mindset isn't about what you do or don't have. It's about a lack of contentment and a living in fear of being in what you, what you want and a focusing in on the things you don't have. This kind of stance closes you off to life and to others. You tend to live thanks, life without thanksgiving, without faith, without generosity. Paul says, I, I've learned all, with all things to be content. See, you can't be content and have a scarcity mindset at the same time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough resources to get done the things that I need to do. That's not contentment. But he goes on to say this. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Here's God's word to you. God is going to give me all I need to do all I need to do. Say that with me. God is going to give me all I need to do all I need to do. Let's say it a little louder. 
God is going to give me all I need to do all I need to do. You have the faith to believe that. Question is, how do you get there? How do you get from focusing on what you don't have to what you to focusing on what God has given you? That God will provide what you need. Paul was thinking about this in this Roman prison, and he said this, Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. There's that Thanksgiving piece. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord knows what you need. He really does. He's near. Don't be anxious about anything. Jesus said worrying doesn't help. But use your worry as a trigger for prayer. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there's a thanksgiving again, let your request be being known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Scarcity wars against peace. God's peace wars against a scarcity mindset. Finally, brothers and sisters, and here's where focus comes in. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. What you focus on matters. We live in a time where our culture conspires to send us into a scarcity mindset. Most people don't have the disposable income they had a decade ago. A lot of our demands fill up our schedule. Life challenges has a way of zapping us of our energy. And the older you get, less energy you seem to have. All these things lead us down the road to a scarcity mindset. If you're a senior, temptation is to focus on what you can't do anymore. If you're younger, temptation is to focus on what you don't have. But this week, this year, I want to urge you to travel a different road. Road traveled by by Paul, the one who learned contentment. Did you catch that? He learned contentment? wasn't that something that was gifted to him. It was something that he had to be educated in. How was he educated in? He learned to focus on what was good. He learned gratitude. He learned thanksgiving. He learned to pray for his needs. He learned to rejoice in the Lord always. And in doing that, he learned contentment. My prayer for you is a holy contentment. A holy contentment that, well, you would indeed see God in all your surroundings. So finally, my brothers, watch your focus. Finally, my sisters, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about these things. The God of peace will be with you. Let's pray.
Lord, as we go into this new year, we know there's going to be all kinds of challenges and all kinds of blessings. And we know at the same time that you're going to be with us. Lord, my prayer is is that you would guide the focus of our heart and you would raise our faith to trust you for everything we need. I ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.